Warning. The Return to Snakeland podcast contains descriptions of sexual assault, suicide, and murder. If you feel there is any possibility of triggering, please listen with caution. It's time to return to Snakeland. Hi, I'm Jason Gusman, and this is episode five in which we meet the enigma John Justice and learn the details of his brief starring role in 1985. It's, um, it's not a good role. No, 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 it's not. I'm going to give you just a just to place where we are in time because it does get confusing. You know, just essentially what had happened right before the beginning of the 85-86 school year. Kathy Harold, uh, as we have, we have spoken about at length, uh, was murdered in Snakeland on July 1st, 1985. Soon after that, uh, Gary M. killed himself with a gun shot to the chest at some point in July 85. I don't have an, an actual date for you on that one, but of course, that also ties into stuff we've talked about before, as right. in how difficult it is to get death dates, causes for teenage suicides. Right. And then that's pretty much the summer and return in for uh, for September for the 85 uh, to 86 Kenmore West senior high school year. And and then, of course, what what began along with that. Uh, and to greater and lesser extents was a discussion of uh, Gary M's suicide, maybe some of the others that preceded, and, of course, uh, Kathy Harold's murder. Uh, most of the people, I, I believe, who were, you know, part of the head subculture all knew about it and, you know, probably more details than we even know today. And, and I'm saying this basically just to kind of contrast with the reaction that happened uh with uh, with John Justice, so just also for uh, experience of mine is that so I, like we've established before that uh, I came to Kemmer West uh, after a lot of these events happened, and yes. I distinctly remember now I, I I moved in from out of the area, had mm-hmm. no idea of what was happening before uh, all this happened, and uh, my English teacher. At some point, uh, he's you know he he kind of laid the whole thing out with John Justice and kind of I don't know if it was a cautionary tale, but he kind of like just walked us through everything that happened and it was you know obviously it's it's a it's a terrible story and uh, mm-hmm. I think it affected him tremendously. Uh, I don't know if that was one of his students. Um, I it was I mean we're going back quite a ways now, so it's hard for me to remember, but. Sure. Um, Sure. But yeah, so it's um, 
Uh, it, it was this like dark cloud that was still sitting over Kemmer West of what happened with John Justice, you know, a couple years later, you know, you know, four, three, four years later when I started. Right. Uh, who was your uh, your English teacher? Mr. Evans. Oh, OK. I didn't have him. I had I had uh, I had Felgis. But that's really interesting, though, that he was that he was that struck by the whole John Justice thing. Because when when they interviewed teachers afterwards, it was always or almost always uh, math and science. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would because that's the kind of thing that John Justice excelled in. But also it was it was those classes where it was um, you know becoming apparently clear that you know things were starting to go wrong. I think I think another theory that I've got and. Uh, I don't know how you feel about about this one, but I think one of the reasons maybe why it it you know it cast that kind of pallor over you know years afterwards and 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 the whole thing was that um in the case of uh John Justice, uh we had all the answers. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like yeah. okay, yeah. You know, it was all get... it was all there in plain sight. You got it. You got it, and we'll we'll go into the details and stuff, obviously. But that was that was really the main thing is that there was an answer, you know. Like you know, unfortunately, with with Kathy, there was never an answer as to who killed her. Uh, with the suicides, there was always you know very vague information if you got any at all, you know that that type of thing. Right. But uh, but with John Justice, it's pretty it's pretty clear. And something else too, I I um. I'm sorry I didn't I didn't include this earlier Aaron but it just kind of came upon me as I was as I was thinking about this uh the John Justice case there's articles from major periodicals yeah you know, right like you may right. not think much of people magazine but it's a big they, magazine oh yeah no 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 absolutely it would just be more like the quality of the work but there's still there's also a New York a New York Times I believe an article that came out at that period about about John Justice, and they're they're better written than okay. the stuff we've quoted so far. And it's just it just very very striking that it made a much bigger splash mm-hmm. news wise outside right. of the area. So shocking! It was a shocking story all altogether. So yeah, totally. Yeah, maybe we should get into the full details. <laughs> You got it, buddy. Absolutely. Um, the next piece is this would be uh, immediately preceding the actual uh, John Justice murders. Um, Justice, who was always extraordinarily intelligent, but also always very introverted or moody at school, became more so up until September 16th, 1985, which was the actual date. Mm-hmm. Of the murders, right, um, right. For the most part, Justice seemed to split his time between desperate attempts to obtain enough scholarship money to be able to attend a college worthy of his studies, and just plain despair that he would have to give up his scholastic dreams and continue to live with and basically become his parents. Right, and that's that that mediocre blue collar work. He 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 just didn't want to see his life become into that vein that his parents had, and 
And like you said, he was intelligent and he had promise as a student. Right. Oh, yeah, most definitely. But at the same time, I think I think what kind of came from that was that, you know, his parents were, you know, seemed particularly despairing about yeah. their jobs, especially the, the, the mother in this case. And um, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like I've known a lot of blue collar workers who are very happy. Yeah. And very satisfied with their lives, but it seemed like this was not that kind of household. Right. And, and you know, there there's some other aspects of maybe whether or not they may have taken that out on John or mm-hmm. it's the mom. But we'll get into that in a bit. That's gonna go a little a little bit a little bit deeper. Sure. Um Justice was working the meat counter night shift. At a local supermarket chain, uh, Tops Market, still still in existence during this time, uh, which certainly couldn't have helped. Uh, wiping all the gore and bone off the machines and sweeping all the blood into a huge drain at the end of the night most probably did not assist with his mood. Didn't um, help his mood and probably also desensitized him from the idea of blood and gore. I, I was I was wondering about that. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I think I th- I think that does. I mean, you see stuff like that, and then you're just like, "What? No big deal." It's you know, this is what I see every day. Yeah. Right? Could be. Could no, no. Could very. Could very well be. And also, I don't know if you've ever worked a night shift anywhere. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Okay. It's so awesome. You, you know what that's like, and you it's, know you're, you're in this twilight world, and it's very weird. There's weird people. You're kind <laughs> of you're you're just you're you're not. You're not attached to the the people that are doing the day job stuff. You know, it's like that's a different world. Like you don't even like you don't even relate to them anymore. Especially right. if you've been doing it for like, you know, a couple months. It's it's a you're in a different planet. Oh sure. It it settles it settles in probably, I'd say like at about that point. Yeah. Probably I mean just 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 in general, not the best type of job for a guy who's already probably pretty unbalanced yeah. to have. You know, I mess with your uh, sleep cycle, and also, as you had said, you know, maybe some desensitization going on there too. So, right, all right. One one of the other things that 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 we know pretty much, you know, uh, for a fact. I mean, there is there is still a lot of this is is speculation, but all the circumstantial evidence points in this direction that the instigating force in Justice's murder spree was his mother, Mary. Mm. And this is shown not only by the savagery of Mary's murder compared to the others, but also by the anecdotal evidence that Mary was the one who insisted that Justice get a part-time job, thereby preventing Justice from competing with the Kenmore West team on the televised It's Academic Quiz Show. And uh, who insisted that if Justice could not get the money to go to school, she and Justice's father, John Sr., would not help pay for it. Mary had taken a hard line, like, uh, we work for our money and so will you attitude with Justice. And this may have been uh, the point of no return. Sorry, you're going to say something. Uh, yeah, it's and I, and this is, you know, part of me is like, yeah, I mean, she's not entirely wrong, but her whole tact right. is so brutal. It's, you know, you're you're talking about someone who's a teenager and in 
literally just trying to come to grips or leaving their childhood and slowly moving into adulthood. And like, you got to like, you know, make a living and you have to like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's all true. But maybe you could help make the transition better instead of saying like, you know, you kick the birds out of the nest kind of thing. And, uh, you know, feast or famine. Um, And, you know, you as a parent, you you know, you have to take the the temperature of the room with your kids once in a while and see, like, Mm. is this are they are they swimming out too far? Is it is is are the waters over their heads? You know, I mean, sure. You know, and you have to pull back and, and, you know, change your tact or find different ways. I don't you know, these hard liners uh, that yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it over and over again, especially growing up. You know, there's always the real, real uh, strict parent. Oh, sure. Know, who, who won't bend for any reason. And, you know, it doesn't really work for everybody. And honestly, in the in the kids that in, that fall in line, I find later on are like basket case because of what their parents put them through. Sure. Or or like uh, and, and I know you've seen this, too. Go off to college and rip totally like go crazy like and just and just basically you know tank the whole thing within a semester. Yeah, because yeah. they realize nobody's telling them they have to do something, so they right. just get high and drunk and whatever else. And exactly, and yeah. no one saying don't do that. So you know, yeah. but um, uh, another point I wanted to make here, and I, I I feel like an asshole saying this, but at the same time, you know, we we have. Mary uh, insisting that Justice get that part-time job, and that's working over at uh, over at Tops uh, in the meat department on the night shift. But that that because of because of the fact that he wasn't able to to go to the after-school practices, he wasn't able to go on the televised uh, its academic quiz show. Right. And I want to I, I want to just kind of remind myself as well as 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 any listeners that, you know, 1985 was was a different time. And also it just it sounds the whole idea of the televised it's academic quiz show. It sounds like hopelessly nerdy. <laughs> and, and maybe it was, maybe it was, but it was, it was what he wanted to do. It was important. And it's about as wholesome as you're going to get. So if she's not going to, if she's going to somehow put up hurdles for him to do something like that, you know, it's not like he was like, you know, joining a rock band or like, you know, learning, you know, like, you know, how to skateboard or whatever. It was, you know, the It's Academic Quiz Show. It just, it's, um, it's tough. You know, it it really, it really seems like, I I don't know that it could have ended any other way than it did, but it's, um... Yeah, it's not like he's saying, "Mom, I'm going to become a a Dada uh, painter, a Dadaist painter." You know, um, you know, not going to make me money doing that, kid. <laughs> and but, would have been right. You're, and there, you'd be right. And uh, but being a Dadaist, you might not care. So. <laughs> <laughs> Myself. No, no, no abso- absolutely. And the thing is, too, though, I mean, we are talking about the kind of thing that Justice would have been going into where he, he would have made money. 
he yeah. would have, you know, it would have done, you know, hopefully, you know, okay. But again, I, I mean, it just, uh, still just trying to be as sympathetic as possible. I mean, you know, they, they certainly shouldn't have been murdered for it. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, that's taking things to a, a whole nother level. I mean, it's like, you know, move out if you have to. Kind of thing. All <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Here's the, here's the thing. Uh, we get into uh, we get into something a little bit different, but I, I think I think you're going to see this pay out over the course of the next few episodes. Um, and Aaron, I know this is something that we've talked about off mic previously, but the whole thing here was that all the signs that a homicidal event was going to occur were um, present. Right. Okay? Um, it wasn't, you know, the kind of thing that we're seeing these days, but you would still see uh, these types of things, a, a drastic change in appearance. Um, John Justice, um, I believe he, he did it himself. There was no mention otherwise, but he, he shaved his hair into a uh, into a mohawk. And I, I, I honestly, despite that and uh, the drastic change of habits, which is he... Uh, he Never before expressing any interest in uh, in in music in any serious way, he he, he bought an album by uh, S.O.D. The Stormtroopers of Death, and was uh, was blasting it after school when you know basically the murders began. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's the thing too is that that I mean it's actually despite the fact that they were they were called the Stormtroopers of Death. They were actually um it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty goofy record, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, called it's called Speak English or Die, which again maybe hasn't aged well, but at the time, <laughs> at the time it was, you know, especially for hardcore, it was like, you know, definitely a um you know, on the lighter side of stuff and um anyways, it was it was it was pretty much the uh the cutting edge of that music at the time, because it was what they called crossover, um, which was basically just combining thrash metal and uh, hardcore punk. Right. And um, pretty interesting. I'm wondering if, you know, someone at some point had told him to buy it or whatever, but uh, lo and behold, either way, uh, he was listening to it after school. He was, he was rocking the Mohawk and increasingly depressed mood increased anger conversational discussions of murder you know he that's didn't not, he didn't specifically that's not good. yeah no no he didn't specifically say anything about killing his parents and his brother but um there would be things where it just like say like you know it's like i just want to i just want to kill everybody you know mm-hmm. something along the lines of like it'd be monday and he'd be in class and he's just like i just want to kill the teacher something something along those lines you know right. nothing specific and it's the kind of thing that with a lot of people uh probably me and you both at one point or the other that somebody else just would have shrugged off and just said you know whatever you know it's like don't be silly um, yeah, everyone's yeah. made that comment like, oh, man, I'd love to just get my hands on them, you know, because you get yeah. so pissed at somebody. Well, sure. Right. Right. Sure. But you're all these things are happening within a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Coalescing. Yeah. yeah there's else. no real reference to any of that happening before 
school begins again in 1985. You know, I mean, I think they folks had always said, you know, awkward and uh, and, um, you know, uh, just, you know, overly introverted and that type of thing. But um, none of none of this stuff that seems so obvious. But one of the one of the plain differences between 1985 and and 2021, however, is uh, that if someone was really watching these behaviors in a high school senior in the present day, they wouldn't be thinking about, you know, this is a kid who is who is preparing to murder his family. Um, I'd be thinking that uh, they'd be they'd be, uh, you know, considering an action to prevent a school shooting. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I do wonder, too, I mean, maybe if this had happened at a later time when, you know, for want of a better term, the mechanism for school shootings were more in place. But, uh, yeah, it hadn't become school shootings hadn't become like a, a mainstay in our in our diet for news media and. Right. Uh it's it there school shootings had happened before and it seemed like john justice had his more concerns were people at home and like as you pointed out his his mom and we'll get into more of the reasons behind why he did everything else he did but but interestingly enough just to follow follow this through line and that in that point in the 1980s really it was just kind of the midpoint in the decade um, you began to see a major increase in school shooting, uh, interestingly enough. And I'm going to I'm going to make uh, bring this back around to the you know, my main point about the uh, the numbers here. So but uh, September of 85, a uh, 12 year old boy uh, in middle school shot a girl with his mother's gun. October of 85 during halftime. Of the homecoming football game, a uh, boy who was in a fight earlier that day pulled out a shotgun and opened fire, injuring six students. Oh my God, that's crazy! Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's 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 nuts, you know. And but and especially for for eighty five, November of eighty five, a fourteen year old girl shot two boys dead, then killed herself with a twenty two caliber rifle at uh, the Spanaway Junior High School. That's actually. That's actually, if, if I'm reading this correctly, the highest uh, death toll of any of the uh, school shootings was was this this young lady. Um, oh the other ones are actually, yeah, for the most part, either they were just injured or I think there was just the one. Well, actually, no, the the boy shot the girl, but I she did not uh, she did not die. And uh, last one in in 1985. Um, a student uh, pulled out a, a nine millimeter assault rifle and opened fire. Boy fled for the second floor where he counted the janitor and he shot him in the head. Ugh. So, yeah. But I'm, again, I, I can't stress this enough. Just the one the one death. I mean, it's horrifying. You know, all, right. all of these are horrifying. But in this point in time, none of these would even be considered uh, mass murder. Um, you'd actually have to have four four murders uh right. to qualify as a as a mass murder and of course you know nothing i mean there's there's no qualification for a school shooting but it is interesting that 
John Justice, all, all things considered, on that one day, you know, killed more, you know, people. Yeah. Than, um, you know, than any of these folks in the in these, you know, like associated school shootings. Now, if you go you go past that um, into, like we said, Columbine, Parkland, Sandy Hook, Virginia Tech. And uh, I mean, uh, you're already into double digits and, and it's it's pretty it's pretty horrifying. So, I mean, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, things have gotten much worse over time. But I also I, I do believe that we need to. We need to keep it in mind to really kind of dig back into uh, how horrifying what John Justice did at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, here you have cited uh, People magazine, as we talked before, uh, that was put out on November 18th, uh, 1985. The title of the article, Driven by His Long Buried Rage, a 17-year-old honor student lethally lashes out at his family by Joshua Hammer. Do you think Hammer is his real last name? I, I always tend to think that that's, uh, that's basically a ploy, yeah, yeah. especially if it's a male, you know, because of Mike Hammer, you know, like that they come off looking tough, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, so it, the article starts here. Uh, Autumn in Kenmore, New York, a tidy working-class suburb uh, a suburb on the banks of the Niagara River near Buffalo, it, uh, is a time of rejuvenation and purpose. On Highland Parkway, on the outskirts of town, Kenmore West High School resounds once again with the noises of a youth in captivity. That's a weird way to put yeah. that. <laughs> Get yeah. back in school! Yeah, uh, it's like, I think he was, he was trying to be witty, but, yeah, fell through. <laughs> on uh, homecoming weekend, cars and pickup trucks uh, swathed in blue and white streamers wheel through town with hongs blaring uh, while r- raucous students shout their allegiance to the Blue Devils football team. The after-school hangouts fill up once more along Delaware Avenue, and Kenmore seniors feel the heat of January application deadline begin, uh, begin to turn their uh, attention to college. To many who knew him, John Justice, 17, a shy, bespeckled honors student with the uh, passion for math and science, seemed typical of Kenmore's brightest and best. He was the kind of kid you love to teach, said uh, Peter Pavlakis, 55. It's actually, um, that's Pavlakis. Pavlakis, yeah. his Pavlakis. chemistry teacher. I did not have Pavlakis, so. I, I did not either, yes, sir. <laughs> but that was his chemistry instructor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the article continues, the boy had spoken of going to Harvard or Yale, and he dreamed of eventually becoming a marine biologist or chemical engineer. In any case, his teachers agreed that he is the kid destined to escape from the apparent drudgery of his parents' lives. Okay, just, yeah, just want to pause you real quick here, just, but that right, right before we've even really gone any deeper into it, it's escaping from the apparent drudgery of his parents' lives, you know, which, mm-hmm. you know, again, I, there's, a, it's, there is some kind of classism kind of going on there a little, yeah. little yeah. bit, a little bit, but, uh, you know, again, it doesn't change the fact of, you know what what they did and how you know unsupportive it does appear that they were so right right exactly and and I, we'll get into it more and more uh the parents drudgeries but um <laughs> uh it, i i mean honestly it's kind of real in its own right but uh i think we'll see it then on september 16th something happened 
It was a sunny Monday afternoon. The rock music was blaring from John's stereo around 3 p.m. as his brother Mark, 13, opened the front door of the Justice's white clapboard house and stepped into his first floor bedroom. A police source says that John approached his younger brother from behind and stabbed him eight times in the back with a five-inch hunting knife, killing him instantly. Forty minutes later, the boy's mother, Mary Justice, 36, a swing ship, shift uh, worker at the town's DuPont manufacturing plant, pulled her 1980 Chevrolet into the driveway and came through the side door into a narrow hallway where John was apparently waiting in ambush. He struck furiously, said, uh, said an officer, knifing her, pushing her down the basement steps, then attacking again when she fell. The coroner would later count 14 stab wounds. 14 stab wounds. Yeah, well, and eight into his brother. Yeah, I mean, don't don't get me don't get me wrong. I mean, it's it's still you know horrific murder, no matter no matter how you slice it. But it just that I think it's clearer that in the case of his mom Mary, that it was just that it was about her more than the others. You know. It says here, uh, continuing with the story article, according to a policeman, Justice then washed the blood off his hands, changed his clothes, and took the uh, car to pick up his father, a maintenance worker at Tonawana Corporation. The two drove home in silence. Apparently, the boy let his father enter the house first, then struck from behind once again. Moments later, the senior John Justice lay dead with four stab wounds on the living room floor on the house of 308 Mang Avenue. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty brutal, too. So he now was premeditative to a point where he's picking his father up and then he's going to murder his father once his father walks in. So, oh, yeah. I mean, this is now completely plotted out in his head. I mean, you wonder how this all was playing out, how he planned this all out, but. He had time to decompress between his brother and his mother, kind of thing. Oh, sure, and then and, and then again and with did. his father. Every everybody there is just that. There's a you know there's 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 a real there's a real methodical, clinical kind of approach. I just uh, and again I'm not, I'm no scientist or anything, but I'm still thinking that the number of stab wounds, like with with the senior John Justice, we got just the. The, the four I know it's still it's a horrific murder but it's it's just you know when you're looking at you know the division between the parents and you've got four stab wounds as opposed to 14 you know it just it seems like his motive for killing his father whatever it was was just different you know and just yeah. different well the article continues it says now for the first time the sun seems to falter uh, stealing himself two glasses of Kahlua, creamed in the mint, and orange juice. God, I can't even imagine what that tasted like. Uh, he took two razor blades from the bathroom cabinet and slashed both his forearms, but apparently lost courage before he could kill himself. It was like Friday the 13th in there, a Kenmore police officer said later, and most of the mess was his own blood. Climbing behind the wheel of the Chevy, he drove a half mile from his home, at 50 miles per hour into the rear of a 1965 Ford Mustang that was stopped at the traffic light. 
The driver, Wayne Hahn, 22, a student uh, at Buffalo State University, was killed instantly. The Mustang exploded in flames. When the police arrived, they found Justice huddled uh, beneath the sh uh, Chevrolet's dashboard with minor injuries, as if, just before the collision, his will to live had taken command. I killed my family! I killed my family, the 17-year-old screamed to one of the uh, first officers at the scene, says the investigative detective. The policeman looked around in bewilderment. But you're the only one in the car, he replied. Okay. Um, I just, I just want to get, get, get this, uh, this piece straight right here. Um, you can pretty much just append uh, the word duh at the end of, you know, like you know, the, the, the statement here, because it's the stupidest goddamn thing. It's a bit I of a reader digest ending. <laughs> but you're the only one in the car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, there's unfortunately, yeah, there's there's a there's a there's a bit there's a bit more to to unpack here before we we, we move on. Um, I hopefully not not seeming to. Uh, self-absorbed, but this kind of directly relates to uh, some things that we had uh, addressed in the Return of Snakeland graphic novel, even some other stuff that was still back from the blog post back before um, you know you even uh, had started reading Amarin. But mm -hmm. the the whole the whole the very idea of stealing himself with two glasses of Kahlua, cream de menthe, and orange juice is just such. I mean, it's just such an obviously kind of, you know, pathetic attempt at like, you know, drinking an adult drink, you know, from a kid who's probably never touched alcohol before. Yeah, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And then just that whole the, the thing, the thing too, you know, uh, killing with a knife, <laughs> the other members of his family, yeah. but not being able to, um, to, to, to use the uh, razor blades deeply enough to even really do any serious damage. Right. Um, the thing, the thing for, for, for me was that, uh, Wayne Hahn, who was, who was killed at the, uh, stoplight was totally just, it was, it was collateral damage. Yeah. You know, there was no reason he had to die there, there logical reason. There was no reason why things had to end the way that they did. He was just, you know, some, some guy who bystander, uh, just bystander. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. The nice car for the nice car. Restoring like a 65 Mustang, you yeah. know, and, and had to, and had to die for it. And that, that really that really depressed me and and i obviously in the uh in the graphic novel we had uh written or plotted it so that you know in our version of events he doesn't die because right. it's it's just it's unacceptable but the good part is is that uh apparently when he did die he is an organ donor and they took his corneas and that's right yeah oh, yeah, yeah. And they and they um, they had they they were able to place some uh, in the in the uh, the eyes of a kid from uh, Mexico, which is weird and yet another coincidence because just the year before, uh, Kathy Harold's father died in Mexico. Mexico, so right? Yeah, yeah. It goes on and on, unfortunately. So, Interesting. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that. I, I remember reading that somewhere as well. So yeah, but yeah, it's it's just such a it's tragic. You know, some guy is just sitting there at a stoplight and he slams into him. So what can you say? I mean, 
I mean, obviously this whole thing is just a giant mess and, um, yeah, oh, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just looking, looking back on it, it's really hard to really put it into perspective and in how bizarre this whole thing seemed and how you know horrific the murders seemed, you know, at that, at that time too. But goes on to say a few of the rumors were simply bizarre. Some Kenmore residents suggested that Justice was a member of a teenage satanic cult that met weekends in an abandoned granary called, you guessed it, Snake Land. Mm. Um, it, 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 this, is, this is goofy, and the very idea that a uh, relatively nerdy, uh, scholastic-type guy would be hanging out in Snake Land, you know, seems especially, especially silly after all the... Uh, the discussion that we've had of that, but it is true that from 308 Mang uh, Avenue, where where the justices lived, you could pretty much see Snake Land. You could see the uh, the grain the grain elevators were yeah. just, just I mean like <laughs> down the park through the trees. You could see them, mm-hmm. and they and they were so large you could not miss it. Right on. Right on. I'm still, I'm still really getting a handle on, on just how big these things really were. I, for some reason, I, I, I would just even, even after you know seeing it in real life, it just never struck me that they were as big as the the grain elevators that are you know still existent in this town. Sure, but yeah. you know apparently they are. You know yeah. and. Uh, and the, the Daniel McCracken, you you really kind of brought that home in terms of you know just kind of isolating how uh, incredibly large those uh, those tubes were inside inside the elevators. Nuts. Others said John was a Dungeons and Dragons devotee who had sacrificed his family on his dungeon master's orders. So basically, that was the other big bugaboo that if you didn't you didn't blame it on Satan. You're going to blame it on Dungeons and Dragons. I got to tell you, mm-hmm. as a person that plays Dungeons and Dragons his whole entire life, <laughs> my dungeon master has never asked me to sacrifice or kill anybody for any reason. <laughs> so this is such a load of bullshit. I don't even know where people got off. I understand, like, Dungeons and Dragons was invented in 1974, and it took a while before it embedded itself into our culture. Now it's, you know... It's very like if you say Dungeons and Dragons, almost anybody who's at a certain age will know what Dungeons and Dragons is. Right, right, and just and just like kids across the spectrum, you know, yep. it wasn't just like like nerdy guys or like you know fans of like fantasy or science fiction. It's just pretty much everybody. But back then, I understand it was something so bizarre. It was a game that nobody had heard of, and obviously, you're dealing with like sorcery and you know. Mm-hmm. Religious people got all freaked out about the idea that you could make a wizard and cast spells. Well, yeah, in your imagination, but so did you know Gandalf and Merlin in the stories. So I mean, like, what are we talking about? So, anyways, uh, sure, sure. I, I someday maybe we'll talk about that more. But uh, yeah, that drives me nuts. <laughs> Do you remember? Um, and this and this would have been during the time period that this would have gone on when I was when I was at West. 
but I don't, I don't know if you guys had any knowledge of this when uh, when when you when you came up immediately following. There was a TV movie called Mazes and Monsters yeah. with Tom Hanks. Yep, with Tom Hanks, and it and it kind of just tells this story exactly that the dungeon master wanted him to do something, and he had a he went crazy, and yeah, yeah. It was like an after school special, but just blown up to like you know TV movie length. But it's it's pretty awful, and you know Tom Hanks is honestly probably the best thing about it, you know, and he's sure. a very very young at this time when he did that movie. Oh, so. sure, that was pre uh, Bosom Buddies. Yeah. So <laughs> yes, that, it was. That was yes, definitely, it was definitely early on. So, all right, but anyway, the John Justice saga will continue next week. The Return to Snakeland podcast was created by Aaron O'Brien and Jason Gussman. All music written and performed by Dotson Moon. If you like what you've heard, you can access more Dotson Moon music at dotsonmoon.bandcamp.com. If you have any information as to the 1985 murder of Kathy Harold, please contact us at our email address. Return to Snakeland at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you have an interest in further historic materials from the period or information on the Return to Snakeland graphic novel, please come see us at returntosnakeland.com. If you would like to contribute in order to ensure the future of this podcast, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com front slash return to snake land. Thanks for everything. See you next time.